How are we doing, church? I want to welcome everyone who is joining us online. Thank you so much for taking time to connect with us. We want to say good morning to everybody at our Crescent campus. It's great to be with you guys today. And we want to say hello to everybody who's watching at St. Greg's right now. It's great to be with all of you. Uh, if you have a Bible, uh, grab it, uh, open it. If it's on your phone, turn it on. Um, follow along in an outline if you have one of those. Or just follow along on screen to the scriptures we put up there. Um, John chapter 9 is where we're going to be all day. Uh, we're in week number 5 of our series called House Party. And in this series, uh, we've been celebrating the goodness, the greatness, the provision, and the protection of God in his house. And if you miss any of those messages, um, you can check them out online, yourcentralchurch.com or yourcentralchurch.tv. You can jump on there, or go to our YouTube channel, um, YouTube Central Church of Carroll, and all of our messages just live there. You can check those out. But what we've been doing in this series um, is we've been talking about some of the I guess you would call them values, um, like, like some of the things that Central is about. That's what we've been talking about over the past several weeks. Um, last week, we talked about five ways to be connected to Central. Uh, if you want to write these down, this is like a really, really quick review um, of, next, uh, um, of last week, and we'll be talking about these over and over and over throughout the course of the rest of the year. Um, but we, we talked about partnership. We talked about partnering up, and we wanted to partner with you um, to do these things. And, and, and they were attend regularly, invite boldly, serve purposefully, give generously, and connect relationally. We, we really do want to partner with you and help you enjoy doing those five things here at Central. Um, the, the direction that, that we are going uh, with those five things and, and how that's going to incorporate into everything that we're doing around here um, is super exciting to us and the leadership team and me as the pastor. Um, it really kind of helps us focus in and zero in on some stuff that we're doing. So attend regularly, invite boldly, serve purposefully, give generously, and connect relationally. Here's where we're going today. Um, in weeks number one and three of this series, um, I told you that one of the things that we're really, 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 really going to focus on and that we really want to do here at Central is we really want to always celebrate you more than a stance. Like we, we believe that you are our why. That we, we come in here to celebrate Jesus and we come in here to worship Jesus and, and, we, and we come in here because of Jesus. Um, but, but also, like we do what we do because of you. Because we want to connect people to Jesus and each other. And so you are our why. And, and in doing that, we, we understand um, that, that people... Um, I don't know, I guess maybe the nicest way to say this is have issues. There, there are some things that, that kind of make us messy, and, and we like to say around here that we're all jacked up, and, and nobody's perfect, and, and, and we understand that. And, and we want you to know that we will always focus on loving you more than a stance. And I told you in both of those weeks that I should do an entire message just on that point alone. Well, today is that day. And the reason we're going to take an entire message to talk about it is because we've all seen it happen. We've all seen where somebody has taken a stance and, 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 and that's more important to them than us as individuals, right? We, we've all seen that. We've all seen somebody take their view and, and hold to their viewpoint and just kind of cast us to the side. We've seen it happen when it comes to politics. You don't vote for her. I vote for her. We can't be friends. Right? You've seen that, right? 
You've seen it when it comes to sports. If you don't like my team, we can't be friends. You've seen things like that happen. And unfortunately, many people have seen that attitude when it comes to church. If you don't believe the way I believe, then just get out. If you're not going to believe what I believe, then just stay away. If you're not going to behave the way that I behave, then you just need to leave. Maybe you've encountered a person or maybe you've encountered a group of people that they love a stance more than they love you. In fact, if you've ever walked away from God or you walked away from church or you walked away from religion, it probably had very little to do with God. It probably had something to do with people having this attitude towards you because too many people love their stance more than they love other people. And we need to address that in the church. We do. We need to talk about the fact that too many people, and I'm talking in the church people, I'm talking about people who say that they're followers of Jesus Christ. Too many people love their stance more than they love other people. Now, I want you to know that this attitude is not something new. It's been around for thousands of years. In fact, Jesus had to deal with people with this attitude. There, there, There are a couple of options where all of us can land on this issue, and we're gonna talk about both of them today. Either we've been hurt by people with this attitude, like that's the first option. Either people have have treated us this way and we've been hurt by people who love their stance more than they love other people, or we are the people with this attitude who have hurt other people. We've loved our stance more than we've loved other people and we've caused hurt and we've passed condemnation onto people because of our stance. Now, I wanna make a quick confession before we dive in. Um, I've been on both sides, I have. I, ha- I don't like it. it, it sucks to admit it, but, but I have, all right? I've, I've, I've been in both places. So, John chapter nine, um, this is a cool story. We're gonna start in verse one. It's talking about Jesus. Um, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, l- let me explain what is going on. In this particular time period, back in Bible times, um, if you had any sort of physical deformity, it was either thought that you had sinned or your parents had sinned. And so the disciples had this conversation with Jesus about the blind guy. Don't miss us, because that, that, that's huge, right? The blind guy's walking by, and Jesus and the disciples are there, and, and, and the disciples have this conversation with Jesus. You ever done that? You ever have a conversation with somebody, about somebody, without talking to the somebody? You ever done that? I have. Years ago, um, I, I was sitting in a restaurant, um, ironically, with a group of Bible college kids. Um, we were all studying to be pastors. Uh, we were at a place called Skyline Chili in Indianapolis, an incredible place. You ever get a chance to eat there? Eat there. It's great. Um, but we were at Skyline Chili. We used to go there all the time. We used to skip out of chapel um, and go to Skyline and eat. But one night we were there, and, um, and a guy walks in. Now, the best way that I can describe him is he just, he just looked homeless. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I say that, does that like make sense? You just look at something, they just look like, like he had on three coats and like multiple pairs of clothes and um, he had a sign, like a cardboard sign that, that he had in his bag and so he'd probably been um, at the end of the interstate asking for money. He, he was just, he was just ragged and rough. He was just, he was in bad shape. Now all of us 
all of us Bible college students, all of us pastor wannabes, pastors in training, whatever you wanted to call us at that point, we're sitting at this table, and we see him, and we start to talk about him. We talked about how he looked. We began discussing how his life choices maybe got him to the place that he was. Even though, even though we didn't even know who he was, and we didn't know his story, we just sat there, and we were talking about him. And anyway, he just stands, and he starts staring at the menu, and he stands there, this is no joke, he stands there for five, six, seven, eight minutes. It's really awkward. And while he's doing that, we're just making fun of him. We're talking about him. We're just like, oh, look at this guy, you know, oh, it's so sad. And, and we're just kind of just go, going off. All of a sudden, a guy from another table gets up, walks over to him, has a conversation with I have no idea what they're talking about, has a conversation with him, takes him up to the counter, buys him some food, comes, brings him to a table, sits down with him at the table, prays with him, and then gets up and walks back over and sits down with his family. That, that, was, that was absolutely mind-blowing to me. And, and I walked away from that experience with this in mind. It's much easier to talk about someone than to actually talk to them. You ever found that out yourself? It's much easier to talk about someone than to actually sit down and have a conversation and talk to them. That's what's going on here with Jesus and the disciples. The man was born blind. And the question to ask is, is not, hey, Jesus, who sinned, him or his parents? The, the, the question is, like, Jesus, why don't you just heal the guy? Like, like, like seriously. Have you ever read that and just thought that? Like, why didn't they ask Jesus to heal the guy? They knew he could do it. I mean, at this point in the story, they had seen Jesus heal people. They had to have been fascinated. They had to have been just waiting for people with, with deformities or handicaps or anything to come by. And so they could just be like, ooh, do it again, do it again, do it again. Like, like they had to have been wanting that. So why didn't they just ask? Because they had seen him do it. Over and over again, they'd seen him heal people. They'd seen him feed 5,000 people with some loaves of bread and a couple of fishes. They'd seen him walk on water. They had seen him do all of these miracles. Why didn't they just say, hey, Jesus, here's a blind guy. Heal him. Do it, do, do it again. Show us. Show us. Just, Jesus, Jesus, he, he needs your touch. Jesus, just heal him. And I think the reason why is, once again, because it's easier to talk about a person or a group of people than it is to actually engage those people in conversations. One of the things, church, listen to me. One of the things that we've got to be willing to do, because this is just crazy. People say, especially in church, especially in, in church world, people say, well, I just, I just have my convictions. Listen, it's awesome to have convictions. It is. But when your convictions prevent you from having a conversation with people that God loves, those convictions are leading you to be nothing like Jesus. We'll talk about that more in a little while. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, but let's keep going. So Jesus, Jesus addressed some things with his disciples. And then look at this next verse. Skip down to verse 6. After saying this, he spit on the ground. Now, I, I just want to point something out. Spit is gross. Right? Everybody agree with that? Spit is gross. 
Like, I would rather be punched in the face than spit on. Anybody with me right there? Any, anybody on that? Like, honestly, I prefer neither. So, so if you see me this week, don't come up. Hey, Pastor Ryan, huh? Like, don't. I don't want that. I don't. I don't want punch. I don't like. Don't please don't do that. Um, I was I was thinking about spit um, the other day. Uh, <laughs> I, I coach a high school softball team, and the girls are spitting sunflower seeds all over the place, and they get in each other's hair, and it's it's just it's just nasty. It's just gross. I was thinking back to when I was a kid, and and I was thinking about back to to my wife, and I was thinking about to all the moms in the world. The only acceptable spit is mama spit, right? Like, that's it. Because mama spit can clean anything. Mama spit can make your hair lay flat. It can clean a smudge off your face. M- mama's, mama spit, if you could sell it, mama spit could probably solve the world's problems, right? Mama spit works. Other than that, spit is just gross. And by the way, someone else's mama spit on you, that's gross too. But anyway, right here, Jesus is spitting. Now, if you're one of his disciples, you've never seen him do this. And so this is a little bit weird. And my question is, how awkward was this moment? Because the Bible says he spit on the ground and he made some mud. Stop. How much spit? Like, I've wondered this for years. We've done youth group activities where we've kind of passed around a plate of dirt and everybody has spit on it. Have you ever thought about that? How much spit it takes to make mud. How much spit does it take to make mud? Take it a step further in the desert because Jesus is around Jerusalem when this happens. Jerusalem's in the desert. And and so you don't just spit and then there's mud. So Jesus is, he's spitting, he's spitting, he's spitting, he's spitting on the ground making mud. Now if you're one of the disciples, are you a little weirded out by seeing this entire thing? Yes or no? Yes. What's he doing? I don't know. He's spitting. What, what, why does he keep spitting? I don't know. He's just keep, there he goes. He's spitting again. Look, he's spitting again. He's spitting and he keeps spitting. He's spitting. Oh, dang. He's putting his hands in the spit. This, this is messed up. It is. He spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Now, if you're a normal person watching this without knowing the story, like if you caught this on social media, like, like they would have crucified Jesus right then. You don't spit on the ground, make mud, and then stick it on the handicapped guy's eyes. Can we all admit this is a little jacked up, yes or no? Yes, but don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. Sometimes the way that Jesus wants to heal us is a little bit messy. And sometimes we experience the mess before we experience the miracle. Watch this, verse 7. Jesus tells him, go, he told, which, which I think is incredibly funny. Like telling the blind guy to go somewhere. He already can't see, but now he got mud dripping down off his eyes. He tells him to go. Go, wash in the pool of Shalom, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seen. So Jesus gave him the ability to be healed. But don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. He actually had to take his next step in order to experience the healing. Now, before I get into that, I want to go back to this, and I want to talk about this for a second. Sometimes the mess happens before the miracle. And the reason I want to say that is to try to encourage somebody 
who feels like maybe you're in the middle of a mess. And maybe the reason you feel like you're in the middle of that mess is because you're on the verge of a miracle. But it usually, usually the mess comes first. L- l- listen, listen, l- let me explain it like this. Um, for years as a kid, I used to hear people say things like, oh, childbirth is so beautiful. It is just so beautiful. It's just so, 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 so beautiful. So in middle school, when they showed us the childbirth video, I wasn't scared before they showed us the childbirth video because childbirth is just so, so, so beautiful. Then I watched the video. Listen, 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 listen. It's not beautiful. It is not beautiful. I watched it happen the first time with my daughter. It is not beautiful. I discovered that all the women who say, oh, it's just so beautiful. It's just so, so, so beautiful. It's because you were high, sweetheart. You had an epidural and you were high. Let's talk about your husband who was passed out over in the corner and they're giving him some cookies and some grape juice and putting a washcloth on his head trying to get him revived. You know why? You saw the miracle, but he saw the mess and the mess comes before the miracle, right? Now, 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 the result of childbirth is beautiful. That's the miracle. But there's a mess before there's a miracle. You following? And, and that's what's going on in this story. Jesus puts mud on this guy's eyes. So sometimes healing is messy, but the mess leads to a miracle. Now, you would think that everybody would be excited about this. Blind guy. Gets here, like you, you would think everyone's excited, but, but, but they're not. Watch what happens. Verse 8. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself said, I am the man. I love that. I'm the man. I, I think that's cool. These, these people are doubting. They're doubting whether it's him or not. Don't miss this. Some people can't see you except through the lens of your former handicap. I I probably need to preach an entire message on that sometime. Some people can't see you except through the lens of your former handicap because these people can't handle his healing because they're looking at him, they're looking at who he used to be rather than who Jesus has turned him into. Some people are going to look at you based on who you used to be rather than who you are in Jesus. And one of the things that will drive us absolutely crazy is to begin to believe or expect that everybody understands the work of God that God wants to do in your life. Listen to me. Some people can't handle your healing. They they just can't. Some people can't handle it when Jesus does something in you or for you or through you that they don't necessarily approve of. That's what's going on with this guy. They don't understand it. And, and they don't approve of it. People can't even believe that it's him. Can't believe that you're the guy who's been healed. No way. Verse 10. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud. Now, I want you to notice something here. He leaves out the spit. He doesn't say, uh, the man they named Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud. Probably because he thought it was gross. All right? The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Shalom and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. Now, this is kind of crazy for me because 
instead of a celebration, they wanted an explanation. Hey man, what happened? How did that happen? Happened how? Like, like what? No, tell me, start over again. You, you did what? What happened? Like, no, no, that, who was there? What guy? How did that happen? Have you ever seen something happen where there should be a celebration, but instead of a celebration, people wanted an explanation? In fact, let me ask you this. Do you think sometimes when people meet Jesus, we expect way too much out of them immediately? I think so. I do. I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about when my kids were born. How cruel would it have been if I would have taken them out of the hospital, put them in the driver's seat of my truck, and said, listen, 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 look at me. Hey, 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 woo focus right here. Hey, you've been alive for a couple days. You've been crying. You've been pooping. You've not been sleeping. You've been driving us nuts. It's about time for you to grow up. You need to drive us home. If you don't drive us home, we don't get home. And so suck it up and drive. We would call that cruel parenting. But in the church, we call that discipleship. Sometimes we expect too much out of people immediately. There should be a celebration. There should just be a celebration that people have crossed over from death to life. There should be a, a, a celebration that healing has taken place in someone's life. We, there should be a celebration that somebody has simply taken a next step. This guy takes his next step. This guy gets his sight back. But instead of celebrating, they're giving him the third degree. It gets crazy. Watch this. Verse 13. They brought him to the Phar- they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now I told you before, anytime you see the Pharisees, it's just like just start playing horror music in your mind. It never, ever, ever goes good. And this is one of those cases. They brought to the Pharisee the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Now, this is where the chocolate ice cream emoji hits the fan this word gets super crazy because the pharisees man you didn't do anything on the sabbath because the the pharisees listen they had rules on top of rules on top of rules on top of rules and and we all know people like that but but the pharisees were, were like the top of the rule makers like they had these certain rules that were just for the sabbath and one of the words like like one of the one of the rules on the Sabbath was if you wanted to write something down, you couldn't write down anything that took more than two letters. Like, like that, legit. Like that was it. Like you couldn't write down anything that had more than two letters. So if you needed to write down two letters, you could. If you needed to write down three letters, that was a sin. So you couldn't even type out OMG on your phone because if you did, you just sinned, right? Well, you probably actually sinned twice because you took the Lord's name in vain, according to some people. It's all messed up. It's like WTF, where's the fun, right? It's, it's, all, it's all crazy. So, so they bring this guy who had been healed on a Sabbath, but he's been healed, right? Should it matter what day of the week it is? Absolutely not. But they bring this guy who had been healed to the Pharisees, and, and well, let's just discuss this for a second or think through this. A blind guy has received his sight. That's a miracle, right? Doesn't matter who you are. You have to agree. That, that's a miracle. Doesn't matter your political preference. Doesn't matter what sports team you love. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anything, like whatever. A blind guy has received his sight. Can we at least celebrate that? I mean, that's a good thing, right? Yeah, it's a good thing until they took him to church. Because look what happened when they took him to church. Verse 15. 
Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes. Now notice, he left out the spit again. It's crazy. Again, he probably thought, this is gross. I won't let anybody to know about that. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. Stop. Let's, let's talk about this for a second. Jesus was God. Right? Jesus is God. Jesus was God in this story. Like, Jesus is God. And so they're, they're kind of right. He wasn't from God. He was God. But religion can create such an arrogance in us that when somebody doesn't do something according to our rules, then they're not from God. Oh, they don't know Jesus. There's nothing good in them. Stay away from them. We don't associate with those people. Get away from them. And the Pharisees are so incredibly arrogant in this passage that they actually said that Jesus wasn't from God. This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath or their version of the Sabbath. But others have asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. It's so funny that the institution of religion is created to attack what doesn't fit into its system. And and it rolls into other areas of of church and church-related things and, and people who say they're followers of Jesus. For example, I know people, Christians, who have cut other people out of their life, other Christian people out of their life over this vaccine. Now, now, now listen, I, I'm not going to force you to take a stance one way or the other, and, 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 and I'm, not, I'm, I'm not even going to talk about it. But if you were to find out where I stand on it, would you cut me out? Would you? Would, would you really shun me and not want anything to do with me? See, see, that's what happens with this attitude of what you're doing doesn't fit into my system. So, so l- l- let me say this. Let me say it this way because this will um, th- resonate maybe a little bit better. This will maybe cause some people to tune out, and that's okay, I guess. Um, maybe not. But, but think about this. If all of your friends have to be pro-life, pro-gun Republicans, then you're nothing like Jesus. You got that? You understand that? Now, now listen, let me say this. I'm pro-life. I'm super pro-gun. And, and as far as I know, I've always voted Republican. But you know what? My friends don't have to be that way. And I have friends that aren't. When you have to agree on everything to love somebody, listen to me, church, that's nothing like Jesus. Because you've heard me say it before. And this is the third time I'm going to say it in this series, but it needs to be said again. Jesus loved people that were nothing like him, and people who were nothing like him loved him. L- l- listen, we need to learn how to say, you know what, I, I believe this, and, and you believe that, and these are my convictions, and these are your convictions, but we can still sit down and talk We can still sit down and have a meal together. But when we love a stance more than we love a person, then stuff like this happens. Watch this. It gets crazy. Verse 17. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? 
It was, uh, it was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. Didn't really get it right right here, but that's okay. They still do not believe that he had been blind. They, they can't handle his healing. They just, they just can't handle it because they don't understand it. We've talked about that before. When religious don't understand, they just cut it out. It's crazy. Watch what they do. And he received his, um, they still don't believe he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Till they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? Now, <laughs> I can super relate with this guy right here. Um, because my parents got called in several times by, like, school authorities. Like, like, when I was in school, my parents got called in a ton. I know what it's like when your parents get called in. And when your parents get called in... It's hardly ever a good thing. Like, I never get called in and be like, hey, we just want to tell you how wonderful Ryan is. Like, that never happened. But you would think, like, think about this. You would think if your kid had been born blind and your kid had been healed, that you as a parent would more than likely be super, super, super excited. If I'm this parent, I'm going to be happy. If you're this parent, you're going to be happy. Yes or no? Yes. But watch what happens. This is so crazy. Verse 20. We know he is our son. Well, that's good. We know he is our son. Like, that's our boy. Like, we know. We did the 78 and me there, whatever that thing is called, the DNA. 23 and me. We did that, right? And we, we know. We know he is our son, the parents answered. And we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who has opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said, don't miss this. Watch this. This is so messed up. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That is why his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. They might as well have looked at their son and said, we love our stance more than we love you. You've been healed. But we can't go along with you here because if we do, it's going to affect our social standing with the religious elite. I have seen this happen over and over and over and over again in all of my years in ministry. A couple of examples. I had a conversation one time with a friend of mine um, who's gay. Um, and she said one of the roughest times of her life was at her mom's funeral. She told me after the funeral, her dad came up to her and said, God killed your mom because you're gay. Like, that, that's horrible. That's absolutely horrible. There, there is zero truth in that, but it's horrible. That dad might as well have looked at her and said, you know what? I love my stance more than I love you. That, that's a sad, 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 sad way to live life. It just is. I, I know another girl who was getting married to a guy, and her grandparents wouldn't come to the wedding because they were going to serve alcohol at the reception. And I remember thinking, really? Like, like, like really? You're going to miss the wedding of your granddaughter, who you have loved your entire lives, who you prayed for before she was born, who, who you have given everything to. You're going to miss her wedding because of your stance? R really? Really, you love your stance more than you love her. 
Mary and I, when we got married, um, I was in Bible college when we got married, um, a Baptist Bible college. Um, all of my professors and a bunch of my classmates um, came to the wedding and to the reception. Um, at the reception, after uh, we were all done eating, right before the first dance, they all got up and left. And the reason they left was because there was going to be dancing. Re- really? Really? Over a stance that you believe that dancing isn't, like, like really, like, like you're going to get up. And it was a scene, and it was, and it was messed up. And, 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 and there were so many people at this wedding who weren't even Christians, who, who, who weren't even like followers of Jesus Christ, who didn't even understand why I was in Bible college and, and what was going on, and they didn't get it. But the witness that you're going to show is before dancing starts, you're going to stand up because you love your stance and proving your point more than you care about anybody else that's sitting around here? L- listen, I'm all about convictions. But when you love a stance more than you love a person, when you love a stance more than you love people, dude, that's a problem. Because l- think about this. If anybody, if anybody in the history of the world had a right to love a stance more than, more, more than us, it was Jesus. L- listen, 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 listen. It's okay to have convictions. It is. It's okay to have, I have some super, 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 super solid convictions on what I believe. I've got solid convictions on what is right. I've got solid convictions on what is wrong. But I'm learning as I get older, when we allow our convictions to get in the, to get in the way of relationships, that is being nothing like Jesus. It's being like the people who killed him. Let's keep going. Love this. Verse 24. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. In other words, they're like, hey, shame the devil and tell the truth right here. Like, you're lying and we know it. It's about time. Like, like before God, tell us the truth. Like, like just speak it right here. Like, nothing will happen to you. Just give glory to God and tell the truth. We know this man is a sinner. I, I love this reply. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. He's like, listen, guys, listen, listen, listen. I don't know. I don't have a theological explanation for what happened. I don't don't have a scientific explanation for what happened. All I know is I'll stand there. Dude spit, made mud pies, and then bam, now I see. But they still can't handle it. Look at this, verse 24. They asked him, what did he do to you? How did you open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Huh. Anybody know people like that? I'm going to keep telling you the truth, but you don't want to hear the truth. You want to hear your version of the truth. You want to take what you want. You want to be around people who will affirm you. You don't want to be around people who want to tell you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. But the truth doesn't fit into your system. The truth doesn't fit into your reality. You did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? In other words, you're not going to freaking listen again. Why do I need to tell you again? Why do you want to keep hearing it? You're not going to listen. You just want to change me. And you're not. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him. Stop. When you're hurling insults at the guy who has been healed, can we admit that's a problem? 
This guy, think about this. This guy was healed by Jesus. Healed by Jesus. They take him before the religious leaders, and the religious leaders start hurling insults at him. When we start hurling insults at people who have been healed, that is a problem. When we're hurling insults at people who have taken their next steps, that's a problem. Because the Bible doesn't say they spoke insults, which is a problem in and of itself. They said, the Bible says they hurled insults at him, hurling insults. And they said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are, we are disciples of Moses. And they're mad about this. Notice the exclamation points. You're, you're, you're this guy's. You're this guy's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. In other words, we're better than you because we have our stance. And because we have our stance, we're better than you. Anytime we have a stance that makes us feel superior to somebody else, we have absolutely forgotten, church, about the grace of God. Anytime we have a stance that makes us feel superior to somebody else, we have absolutely forgotten about the grace of God. So these guys are talking about how awesome they are. Verse 29, we are disciples of Moses. We, we know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, <laughs> I think that's funny. They call Jesus fellow. That, that's funny to me. As for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from, which, which is an indictment against them, not, not God. Right? We don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now this is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of somebody opening a, the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were you are steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us and they threw him out. Wow. Anybody see a problem with this? This guy, at the beginning of the story, cannot see. Jesus heals him. They take him to church. He talks to the church leaders, and they throw him out. In other words, don't miss this right here. When they can't attack who you are, they will attack who you were. When people can't attack who you are, they will attack who you were. They couldn't handle the fact that he had been healed, so they said, you were blind at birth, steeped in sin at birth. In other words, it's not that you are blind, that you aren't blind, it's that you were blind. So there's a group of people, and, and, and listen, this happens today, and, and, and if you're always around these people, or if you know these people, these, these people that are always bringing up your past and bringing up what you did instead of focusing on who you are. These are the types of people that love a stance more than they love you. And, and, and these people in this story, they threw him out. And you understand this because they've thrown you out. Or they've cast you away. Maybe not necessarily from church, but from a friend group or from a family out or, or, or from whatever. And what I've grown to understand, what many people don't understand, is sometimes hmm, sometimes you've got to get kicked out of a religious institution in order to get found by Jesus. Because I love this next verse. I, I love this. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Un understand this, that Jesus didn't go to him when he was in the middle of the trial with the religious people because Jesus was about to go through one of those later on himself. But don't miss this. After, after he had gotten kicked out, after he had gotten isolated, 
after he had been pushed away, Jesus goes to him and establishes the relationship. And maybe this has been some of our discoveries that you've had to be kicked out by religion in order to be found by Jesus. So at the end of the day, I just got a couple of questions. Number one, the first one, do you love a stance more than you love people? Do you? Do you love your political stance, your political preference? Do you love your theological stance more than you love people? Listen to me. As people who claim to follow Jesus, we should always value people more than our stance. Listen, we should have our stance. We, we, we should. It's okay to have a stance. It's okay to have convictions. But when it isolates us from people, that's a problem. The second question is, has this ever happened to you? Have you ever been kicked out, cast aside, put down, or thrown away by a person or a group of people that love a stance more than they loved you? If you have, first of all, let me say I'm sorry. I'm sorry for them. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I've done it. I, I am. Listen, I know it hurt. I know it was painful. I, I know it absolutely sucks every time you think about it. But at the end of the day, I want you to understand, that's not the heart of Jesus. That's not the heart of Jesus for you. Jesus doesn't stand at the edge of heaven and love his stance more than he loves us. He didn't thousands of years ago sit up in heaven loving his stance more than he loved us. He came to us, walked among us, and gave his life for us so that we could be with him, so that we could have relationship with him. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves me. That's how much he loves every one of us. At the end of the day, it's my prayer that we would that, that we would be a group of people that absolutely, that absolutely have our convictions, that we absolutely understand theology, that we absolutely understand the Bible, but we, like Jesus, love people more than we love our theological and moral stances. And, and if we, and, 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 and my prayer is that we will always celebrate people the way that Jesus celebrates people. And that our goal will always be to connect those people to Jesus and each other. Let's pray.